The world around us is changing faster than ever before. From automation, artificial intelligence, big data, geolocation, to every aspect of how we work and live. This includes data. Welcome, Welcome. to Data Welcome. Gurus Podcast. Our mission is to bring you a real-life perspective on what's happening in the industry and how successful companies and individuals in this niche navigate through the sea of change. Encouraging you to be bold, be brave, and be fearless. Let's navigate the data ecosystem together. Welcome to the Data Gurus Podcast. Today's episode is a little bit different. I have Krista, who is the qualitative research manager at Comcast Business. And what I took away from this interview was that she absolutely loves her job. And I love the way she describes research in terms of what it means and what skills are required to execute to be able to deliver insightful, actionable research. Take a listen. I'm delighted to introduce my guest today. It's Krista Chaffinch, who is the Manager of Market Research at Comcast. Welcome, Krista. Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you joining. I know so many people are curious about what enterprise clients are doing or brands are doing as it relates to research in, during this unusual time. But before we get into that, tell us a little bit about what you do at Comcast. Sure. So we have a, a relatively small but mighty team. There's five of us. And my particular role is mainly revolves around qualitative research. So focus groups, in-depth interviewing, any kind of sentiment analysis. We do dial testing research, anything where we're trying to find you know, qualitative context and insights around our customers. Those are the activities that I manage. And then I also take care of certain aspects of competitive intelligence gathering. And that can also entail you know, in-depth interviews with CIOs and CTOs just to figure out sort of where we sit as Comcast business in the larger marketplace. And when you think about qualitative research within your department, are there specific use cases that 100% you know it's going to, you know, the mode of research is qualitative? Yes. And actually, I feel very fortunate to work at a place where qualitative research is very valued. So what we sell, you know, Comcast Business, we sell what a lot of people think of as a commodity. We sell voice lines, internet and things like that. And, you know, I think that you could take the viewpoint of, you know, what's important to us is bundling or pricing or packaging. But at that point, you're not really differentiating yourself too much. So a lot of what we do, especially when we're looking for new product development insights, all kinds of different ways of thinking about segmenting our customers and messaging to them, we think of that in qualitative uh, research. So, you know, hearing people's opinions, how they run their business, what their values are, how they decide what vendors to use, you know, even things like how they hire and retain their employees, just to learn basically all of the different ways that people run businesses. And for those reasons, we use qualitative research a lot. Obviously, we use quantitative research for things like pricing and concept testing and things like that when we need to go to scale. But qualitative, for sure, gives us those really deep insights. I think that make, you know, hopefully (laughs) make what we offer to our customers a little bit different. And do you focus primarily on businesses in your research? Yep. So Comcast Business is separate from Xfinity. That is, you know, what you would have in your home Mm -hmm. with cable TV and internet and Wi-Fi and, you know, your secure home and things like that. Comcast Business, we're a separate division and we focus 
purely on products and services for the business community. Interesting. Is there a particular type of qualitative research that you lean on? I mean, obviously right now focus groups are a little bit harder, at least in person, but, you know, I'm curious, is there like, quote unquote, a favorite type of qualitative research that you'd like to conduct or commission? Sure. I think it probably depends on, you know, obviously what it is we hope to learn, but then also the segment that we're dealing with. So if we're dealing with small businesses, we tend to like to do focus groups. Since March, obviously, we have switched completely over to virtual focus groups and have actually managed two or three projects from beginning to end just with qualitative research virtually and with virtual, you know, online focus groups, which has turned out to be amazing. And I'm not sure that we'll ever go back because it's been, we've been having a lot of success with it. So with small businesses, we like to get different people in the room, bounce ideas off of each other, things like that. When we get into more enterprise, large businesses, you know, universities, health systems, large companies, we tend to do in-depth interviews for those things where we'll get, you know, one CTO or one CIO on the phone and talk with us for an hour or so just to get more sort of deeper knowledge into how they make their decisions and things like that. So it depends on both sort of what we want to learn, but also who we're talking to, you know, getting eight CIOs or CEOs in a room be almost impossible and or very expensive. (laughs) Their time is, you know, very valuable. Not that small businesses are not obviously, but it's just more difficult to get them all in the same place. Um, at the same time. So we sort of do it that way, I think is how we think about it. It depends on the audience, basically. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And how many projects do you typically have going on at any given time? So last year, our whole team throughout 2019, we managed about 115 projects from beginning to end. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) So it was uh, certainly a banner year. We were very excited about it. Probably not going to happen this year. Right. Just because of, you know, having to change our work style, having to focus on different things, not wanting to put too much of a burden on the business community, which, you know, they were already disproportionately feeling the strain from COVID and things like that. So we definitely did a lot of, you know, switching of our focus. So I would say at any given time, I probably had two or so qualitative projects going on at once. And over the course of a year, I'd say I average, you know, maybe 25 or so, something like that. And I'm always curious, like, how are your internal clients consuming the results of qualitative research? Yep, that's a great question. And something I think that is changing for us over the last year or so, particularly now that everyone's working at home. We always do, you know, a very thorough report. We I absolutely always include multiple pages of quotes, you know, direct quotes, verbatims. We embed video of people actually speaking our audio whenever we can, because I think it's really important for our internal stakeholders to hear from our customers from their own words and not, you know, my paraphrasing or whatever. So we do that as much as possible, you know, giving them all the caveats of, you know, we talk to 30 people versus 3,000 and all of that. But I think over time, people have gotten to understand the value of qualitative research. In fact, right before this, we just had a readout for a qualitative project we did. We had 15 people on the phone, an amazing conversation the whole time. People were really engaged. So it's both, you know, giving them a report to read through, giving them the quotes so that they can actually hear the context of, you know, what people have to say and what they think, but then also always setting up a minimum of an hour for us to sort of talk through the findings and the implications of them. 
I think that's such an important point because, you know, at the end of the day, you present the findings, but part of it is also your your colleagues digesting and processing as a group to really see if you've reached the same conclusions and, and take it a step further in terms of what actions or considerations do you have to take from this? Yes, absolutely. I've experienced this myself, so I'm curious what you do. Have you found that some of your internal stakeholders completely disagree with your findings? Sometimes. Sometimes they do. That used to be a much bigger problem for me at past jobs. I think that I'm so lucky, like I said, at at Comcast Business, people truly understand the purpose of research, how to use what comes out of it. And they tend to come to us with a pretty good understanding, you know, of what they're getting into. I have been in the situation in the past where people want to use research to validate a claim that they already believe. And that is a very difficult (laughs) position to be in as a researcher when, you know, oftentimes the results come back that maybe that, you know, we can't necessarily say that their idea has been validated or or we need to adjust or, or shift or adapt in some way. So yeah, that's been difficult. And we tend to portray our team as neutral third party investigators, sort of, you know, we're here to answer your business question. We're going to give you the information. It might be good. It might be bad. But, you know, our job is to package it up in a way that it's actionable and people will be able to walk away and do something with it. That's true to our brand. That's true to, you know, the values that that we have. And hopefully, you know, people walk away after that conversation that sometimes takes, you know, hours or days with an understanding of just the need to be agile because, you know, we're here for our customers. We're here to make them happy to make their lives and their businesses run better. So we sort of portray ourselves as, you know, we're independent here. We just want to tell you what other people are saying. And then let's have a really, you know, constructive conversation around what that means for us. Yes. Okay. That makes sense. And it sounds like from what you're describing, Comcast really values research as an integral role within the decision-making process. Yes. We work with every single department within Comcast business. I work with product, marketing, communications, digital experience, sales, finance. I mean, we really have done work for everyone. That's something I love about my job is that I do a lot of really interesting projects that run the gamut and the pace is really interesting and fun. So yeah, it's really good in that way. So tell me a little bit about, I think over the last year or so, you guys have invested in a knowledge management system. Tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah. So We were finding that a lot of our information, you know, our reports, our deliverables, the forecasts and reports we get from our analyst partners and things like that, they were spread across like 10 different sites or SharePoints or file systems, some were online, some were on people's computers. It just was not a very efficient or effective way to like not only store our material, but ensure that right people were getting it when they needed to get it. I mean, we have a footprint all across the US and now actually into the UK with our acquisition of Sky. So, you know, time zones, somebody wanting to get a report from me, maybe I'm asleep, you know, (laughs) just to try and like clean up a lot of that, those issues that we found were getting worse over time. And also with exponential growth that Comcast has been going through and hiring lots of new people. So we started thinking about a, a new way, a new platform to do that and thinking through the development of it, what it would need to be truly a self-service, user-friendly, one-stop shop for all of our research insights. So we went through and, you know, a process of RFP and demo and build out a site that we 
are so happy with. And I have to tell you, since COVID, in particular, use of the site, which we named Merlin, sort of like the wizard. It's all branded with magic. It's very cute. People have been using it. I mean, we ran out of seats and licenses once. We're actually, we've run out again. And I just had someone ask me, can we put our entire team of 50 on here? Oh my gosh. Um, so, <laughs> but when you think about people you know, not coming back to the office again for a while, maybe ever. We need to have something like that. We need to have, you know, something that gets you from your phone, your laptop, whatever. If we've got sales reps out, you know, visiting someone or on a call, we want to make sure that everyone can get to that information. So people have really been embracing it since we've moved to sort of remote working. And it's become not just a repository, but, you know, we're, we've been tagging and categorizing certain things underneath a COVID umbrella so people can go there and see, you know, down to even when certain states or cities and states are going to reopen bars and restaurants, for example. That really helps our sales and our marketing teams a lot so that we can be more proactive instead of reactive. Yeah. And so this is a place where you put, obviously, your primary research on the portal, but you also collect secondary research, competitive intelligence. It's basically your hub for all types of competitive intelligence and research. Yes, that's right. Everything goes there. We tag. We have a pretty sophisticated tagging system. So, you know, a product owner might come in and type in, you know, the name of a product like Security Edge or Wi-Fi Pro. Someone else might come on, you know, have a different way of thinking about it. So we've done a lot of work around that to ensure that just the coverage, the way people search and look for things and filter, that it just would be as user-friendly as possible. And so far, I think it's worked out really well. Teams are in flux, but you still have to get your research in the field. Partnership with Paradigm Sample means you get our expert focus on every detail of your project. We have access to over 1 million consumers and business professionals who are eager to voice their opinions and participate in traditional and non-traditional online studies. Whether it comes to sampling, programming, and hosting services, or consultation and collaboration, we are agile and quick to meet your needs. Learn more. Visit ParadigmSample.com today. How many people like currently use the system internally? Well, I know some people are sharing (laughs) the logins right now. Right now we have about 200 people on there. We could probably go up to 500. You know, obviously we've got budget and other restrictions, but it's a very popular platform right now, for sure. Well, I would imagine also, you know, before you were getting return on investment for all the work that you guys were doing, but now it's even more so because it continues to be utilized. Not that it's evergreen, but there's a bit of a long tail on the research. Yeah, absolutely. Indeed. So tell us how your world has changed as it relates to COVID-19 and the pandemic. What, What have you guys been doing and, you know, what's the impact in terms of not only research, but solutions that you might be doing as it relates to helping your customers? Yeah, absolutely. So we, Comcast responded very early. I have been working from home since around March 10th or so. We obviously have two very big buildings in downtown Philadelphia, have thousands of people in them. I think, you know, they were just very concerned and wanted to be on top of it. So we've been home since early March. Around March 15th or 16th, you know, my boss came to our team and said, you know, there's been a leadership decision that we're going to stop business as usual research. You know, we're going to really try and focus more on what does the business community need, specifically small businesses? How are they coping with this? You know, how can we help? How can we keep businesses going? 
How can we help them remain more agile? You know, uh, many businesses, things like restaurants, had to find new ways of doing their business. Literally, they had to pretty much adapt overnight. We talked to a church in Colorado where they're doing, you know, mass at home or from cars in a parking lot where everyone has, you know, their like a Zoom call on their phone or doing curbside pickup. All of these really fast adaptations that had to happen. Um, we just decided to completely dig in and find out what was going on. How can we help? What kind of, you know, financial incentives or ways to, you know, mitigate financial burdens on our customers and also take the opportunity to say, are there new bundles or new products or services that we can offer for this changing world? So between about mid-March up until about a week ago, my main job was very COVID-specific branding research, product, you know, how are people, obviously connectivity has become such a huge part of our lives. I don't think people thought about internet in the last 10 years as much as they have in the last three months. So just the importance of it, the importance of staying connected, you know, bandwidth, all of these things that, you know, we're just sort of like in the back of people's minds have really come to the forefront when you've got kids on, you know, in school, two people working from home and trying to stay in touch with your family and things like that. You know, it's, we really had to think those through, you know, as a larger company, but now, you know, small businesses, large businesses, people are working from home. We're hearing a lot of people say, we might not ever go back to how we used to be. We might have people stay at home forever. They're actually seeing some cost savings associated with not having people in these big buildings. They're seeing some productivity, you know, improvements, which eh, can be good and bad. <laughs> you think it's like, well, yeah, people are more productive because we now live at work. But um, right. yeah. <laughs> It's like, there's a gray area there. We might not want to get too far down that road, but... Then you move into mental health. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, we, thinking through all of those things has really been my full-time job for the last several months and everyone else on my team as well. That's got to be satisfying because it feels like you're actually helping and making a difference in people's lives. I actually, I really do think that. I have sat through about 15 or so focus groups and about 15 in-depth interviews with business owners and business decision makers. And this has been very devastating for some people. Some people will never recover from it. And, you know, small businesses, a lot of times it's their own money. It's, you know, that they have put in not just their passion and their skills and expertise, but their money and, and their resources as well. So just wanting to stay very sensitive to that when thinking about what kind of products and services we're going to do, how we price and package things, how we set up contracts, you know, not making it difficult for people to get out of a contract if they can't continue on with their business, you know, early termination fees and things like that, that have just been sort of a way of life for so long. It was really, you know, all cards were on the table to think about, you know, what can we do to make this be a better situation for people. That's fantastic. And I would imagine there's going to be a lot of new startups, right? So as people look for jobs, they can't potentially not can't find them. I would anticipate a lot more, many more people starting companies or starting businesses to either weather the storm or to continue, you know, down the path of entrepreneurship. Yeah. So that is hands down my favorite part of my job is hearing people talk about their businesses, either the business that they started out of, you know, love and passion or a family business that's been going on for 50 years that they've taken over. I love to hear these stories. And that's something that I've just been so impressed and really just kind of amazed at the ways people have overnight adapted. Yeah, we talked to a dog groomer who was like, I've started taping 
dog training classes and putting them on my YouTube channel and, you know, finding ways to monetize that and just like such creativity and amazing things that people have thought of and being able to kind of like be in the middle of that and hear how people are just like determined to keep on going is awesome. Especially in a time that's not very awesome <laughs> in, the, in the grand scheme of things. <laughs> it's so true. It's that human spirit that's amazing. Yes. I love to hear these great stories about how companies are helping clients and, you know, not being tone deaf, but really being solutions oriented. It's nice to see us all coming together and being part of a solution. And what you were saying about, you know, working for a place where your research is embedded from beginning to end, I'm now being able to see how the research we did is being applied. You know, we're coming out with Comcast Business at Home solution where a company can pay for business class internet to go to their employees' homes, you know, all kinds of new ways of thinking through, you know, basically our new work style or digital work home, yeah. or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> I don't think we have a good name for it, but yeah, being able to see how the research ends up being applied in those ways is just really satisfying. It's great. Hey, let me ask you this for those graduates that are, you know, looking for a job and it's frustrating. I have two questions for you. Tell us a little bit about your path as to how you got here and any words of advice that you would give graduates coming sure. or, you know, are just starting in the workforce or looking for a job? Yep. I have changed my career and, you know, what I want to be when I grow up like six times. <laughs> I started out when I came to Philadelphia in 2001 doing like project and program management. And over the course of a couple of years, realized that I would prefer to build something than to run something. And that, that was not a very well fleshed out or well articulated idea. It was just something I sort of felt inside myself in that my work just wasn't satisfying. I felt like there wasn't as much of a creative edge to it as, as I would have liked. So I, I got a job at medical education and assessment company that creates all kinds of software systems and things like that. And I got a job in their sort of innovation pipeline department. So doing a lot of voice of customer pilot projects, really looking at cool new technology, just learning sort of the medical world and patient centeredness and all kinds of really cool things and just fell in love with innovation, market research, talking to people, really, really fell in love with it. Decided to go back to school and get an MBA in new product development. And then after finished my MBA program, got my job at Comcast and just have been really happy with it. I think it is, I feel like half of me is like a creative, I also have a master's degree in creative writing. So I feel like there is a really creative side of me, but then there's also this sort of like business side of me. And I feel like market research is one of those places where if you feel like you have both of those things, it is such a perfect blend of business and psychology or business and sociology or business and creativity. You know, I'm getting to work with our ad agencies more and just seeing how it all comes together, really satisfying and really fun. So I love that I ended up finding that creative outlet that I felt like I needed. I think that's great. I think so much about I mean, to your point, research can be incredibly creative and, you know, it definitely ignites curiosity because every time you ask a question, you have like five other questions after that, which is absolutely yep. really <laughs> exciting. Yep. But knowing that business side of it makes it even more powerful because you can contextualize those results in languages that, you know, other people can understand. And I think that's really powerful having that 
business background blended with the research side of things. Yeah, it just makes it easier to talk to your internal stakeholders, to learn their point of view, their perspective um, when you're giving presentations to, you know, C-level executives, to really understand where it is they're coming from, to be able to balance you know, what our customers want with our business goals and things like that, to have a good understanding of that, it just makes the contextualization of the insights so much more impactful that you just can't understate it. It's really one of the most important things about you know, working for a corporation and doing that job. I completely agree. In fact, a lot of people have reached out for advice and such as they're looking for jobs. And, you know, I've kind of said, look, there's so many online platforms where you can actually go study and get an MBA or get another degree and continue to learn as you search for an opportunity. It does help a lot. Yep. You use the word curious. I think curiosity is one of the biggest things of obviously about being a market researcher and just wanting to talk to people and hear their stories, being able to listen actively, you know, all of those things that, you know, I didn't learn necessarily in an MBA program, but, you know, I've learned over time that are just important in real life too. (laughs) You know, (laughs) empathy and, you know, listening to people and things like that. It's, you know, anyone who's interested in psychology, sociology, but also, you know, finds themselves to be a curious person, always wants to be learning. Market research is really kind of a, a perfect one for something like that. Yeah, I completely agree. And do you have any advice for our graduates in terms of it's a hard job market out there? Yeah. Any thoughts or perspectives that you can share? I was actually just talking to a friend's brother who graduated from college in May and, you know, has had a rough year. (laughs) He actually got a job and then was furloughed. It's really rough out there. I think that, you know, setting expectations for yourself where, you know, your first job isn't going to be your dream job. I'm in my 40s. You know, I didn't really fall into what I wanted to do until I was about 40 or 41. So, you know, it takes time. I would say do as much on your own as you possibly can. Take courses on Coursera or one of those places where you can, you know, do some stuff for free. Even just going out and like doing some, you know, volunteer work. Maybe there's like a nonprofit in your area that doesn't have the money for a market researcher, but they will gladly take your time, you know, something like that. And now that we are doing so many more of these things online, I think it just makes it easier for people to really spread their wings and figure out new ways of bolstering a resume or a CV that are, you know, beyond just typical like nine to five job. But I do think that there are places that are hiring. I know that, you know, there's all of these cloud-based platforms, you know, anything like that, they are absolutely yearning for UX researchers. Philadelphia is just an unbelievable hotspot for UX research right now. There are places, you know, the meal delivery services I've heard is like, they're like exponentially growing. You know, there are so many little niche things that definitely can find a spot. So just, you know, keep yourself as open as possible, learn as much as you can and get as many projects under your belt as you can, even outside of the work environment, I think is, you know, will be very helpful just so that you can talk through if, you know, when you get an interview, how you've applied research, you know, they're going to want to know, you know, what methodologies, you know, and all of those kinds of things, but also what have you learned and how have you applied those learnings and in building something or helping someone make decisions? Those are all really important things. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think there's a lot. And even like, you know, local institutions, public institutions, libraries, like they all can benefit from some help. And I agree with you. There's opportunities there that you can potentially help, you know, again, not necessarily a paid position, but doing some sort of research or understanding to guide their decision making. Yep. And when we do hiring on our end and recruiting and things like that, 
we always do sort of, you know, behavioral contextual interviewing where we're going to want to know about a project that maybe didn't go so well and then just have the person, you know, sort of riff off of that for a while. You can learn a lot about people that way. So, you know, just the more sort of real life experience you have, the better it is and the more comfort you're going to have talking about it. And, and being in a job like market research where you do have to talk a lot about your work and give presentations and things like that, it just boosts your confidence too. So it makes it a little bit easier when you're in the stressful part of job hunting, you know, doing interviews and meeting people for the first time and stuff like that. So true. And I think it also, if you own it, if you do those projects, you own it, you feel it, then it's much easier to talk about it. Yep, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it, Krista. Well, thank you so much for having me. Thanks for joining me today. You know, what I took away from this interview was that the blend of, you know, business skills and research skills are incredibly powerful. The ability to have empathy and compassion to understand a potential target segment, to understand an existing customer requires a certain set of skills that probably would be great for anybody in real life in terms of active listening and empathy. But that coupled with business acumen is a powerful combination for researchers because they can present data, they can talk the talk that many internal stakeholders live every day. And as we evolve as an industry, I would love to see more and more researchers having that lens of business and being able to apply the research and take it a step further to provide their internal clients answers to real business problems. Thanks for joining me today. Look forward to checking back in next week. Thank you for tuning in to Data Guru's podcast. This episode has ended, but your exploration doesn't have to. Head over to www.dataguruspodcast.com and access all the resources and links mentioned in today's show. You'll also find bonus content available to our podcast listeners exclusively. That's www.dataguruspodcast.com. Until next time, be bold, be brave, and be fearless.